Please remain standing. This morning I would like to direct your attention to our scripture reading, two scripture readings. The first one comes from the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This is the admonition of God to the people of Israel for forsaking him and going after a broken fountain or cisterns. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now turn to the Gospel of John chapter 4. As we continue this morning our journey through the, uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 4, this morning, and Lord willing, uh, the coming Sunday, we're going to look at the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. I am going to divide this portion into two parts. The first one will be uh, a call to the living water, the fountain to which Jesus invited the Samaritan woman And the next Sunday will be a call to true worship. So this morning a call to the living water. And the next Sunday a call to true uh, worship. John 4, 1 to 15. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples that John than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. He left uh, Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria, Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask? For a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it. Himself as did his sons 
and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks to this water will be thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, willing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we now ask you to grant us your Holy Spirit so that each and every one of us as the hearers of your word would come willingly and joyfully to the living water. Jesus Christ, your Son, in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Every time you make a reference to the woman at the well, I expect most people who hear you making that statement to know that you are talking about the Samaritan woman in the Gospel of John chapter 4, with whom our Lord Jesus Christ had a conversation about himself. Number one, about himself as the giver of living water. And then secondly, a conversation about himself, him being the Messiah, the Christ, in whom all should believe and have eternal life. How many of you know this morning that the conversation that Jesus had with the Samaritan woman was the longest conversation that Jesus ever had with anyone, including his own disciples. It was the longest conversation that Jesus had in the scripture. The conversation was significant and extremely amazing when you especially compare Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman with his conversation with Nicodemus. I want to refresh your mind. Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus was a conversation with a religious leader. It was a conversation with a Jew. It was a conversation with a moral man. It was a conversation with the most respected man in Israel. Nicodemus was respected in his community. Jesus' conversation with the Samaritan woman was with a woman who was unnamed. It was with a woman who was very immoral. It was a woman who was outcast by her own people. It was a conversation with a woman who was lost in her sin, a woman who was not respected by her community. What does that teach you, brothers and sisters in Christ? A conversation with a moral man, but he was not born again, of course. 
a conversation with a very immoral woman, a Gentile, not a Jew, a Gentile. What does that teach you as Christians? It should teach us that there is no one in this world, absolutely no one, who is beyond of a need for God's grace. Secondly, this conversation teaches you that there is no one in this world, absolutely no one, who is beyond of the reach of God's grace. No one beyond the reach of a need for God's grace, and no one who is beyond of the reach of God's grace. We all remember the hymn that we often sing. We're going to sing it this evening. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. The first stanza, it says, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Marvelous grace. Infinite grace. That's what we see in our text this morning. This marvelous, beyond of our sin and guilt, coming to this woman. In our text this morning, we have a call to the living water. Once a person comes to this living water by faith, that person will not be thirst again. Jesus told this woman, Everyone who drinks of this water will, be ter- will, not, will not be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will not be thirsty again. I want us to consider this under three points this morning. First, I want us to consider Jesus' purposeful grace, verses 1 to 6. And then Jesus, purpose, Jesus purposefully relational, verse 7 to 10. And then Jesus' superiority over all people, including Jacob. And you will find that in verse uh, seven, uh, 10 to 15. Jesus' purposeful grace. Listen to what John tells us here. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Now, what happened was the Pharisees learned about what Jesus was doing, that he was, him and his disciples were teaching and baptizing more people than John the Baptist had. And after Jesus learned about that, he left Judea and he started traveling toward Galilee. Now the reason why Jesus left Judea and that he started traveling to Galilee was not because of fear. Some people, they think, oh, he was afraid of the Pharisees. Now, you need to remember, in chapter 3, we learn it. The father gave everything to his son. The son is above all, including the Pharisees. So there was no reason for Jesus to 
become afraid of the Pharisees. The reason why he left was because it was not yet his time to be crucified on the cross. So he was avoiding any conflict with the Pharisees before his time. So he, he decided to leave, um, to leave Judea and go toward uh, Galilee. Now, most uh, Jewish people, when they travel from uh, Judea to Galilee, they purposely avoid passing through Samaria because the Israelites hated the Samaritans. There was no relationship. There was no fellowship. There was no um, uh, any uh, contact between uh, the Jewish people and the Samaritans. Now, what you see here is Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Unlike the other uh, Jews, uh, men and women in Israel, he didn't avoid the, the, the road to Samaria, but he had to pass through Samaria, our text tells us. Why? Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? What you see here is him going through Samaria was a divine necessity. In the original language, it says he had to pass through Samaria. He had a divine appointment. The Samaritan women didn't know. Anyone in Samaria didn't know. But God, from eternity, decreed that his son Jesus Christ would pass through Samaria. He would have this stopover in Samaria to meet with this sinner, a Gentile sinner, immoral woman in Samaria. So Jesus was keeping his appointment. He was keeping his divine appointment to meet this woman at the well that Jacob gave to his Joseph and his offsprings. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, we read this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God appeared. And how did the, the grace of God appear? Through Christ. You see, Jesus is the object of God's grace. When the Bible says the grace of God has appeared, it's talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. When Jesus appeared in the flesh, grace appeared. And grace appeared to bring salvation not only to the, for the Jews, but also for all people. Jews and Gentiles. And this Samaritan woman represents all of us. Gentiles. And what do you see here? The grace of God came to Gentiles. To this Gentile woman. Jesus came to Samaria, beloved, to seek and save this outcast, immoral woman. In order to reveal himself to her, he had to break all barriers. Ethnic, racial, social, religious barriers. He had to cross all these barriers in order to seek and save this woman. In John 1, 15 and 16, 
The Bible tells us this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from him, his, uh, from him we received his fullness. We have all received what? Grace upon grace. This is what you see here. This immoral woman who represents all of us receiving grace upon grace, which means abundant grace, grace that she never deserved. She had five husbands, five of them dead. She was living with another man who was not her husband. She was very moral, outcast, disrespected in her community, yet grace came to her, grace upon grace. You see, beloved, the grace of God is always purposeful. The grace of God came to us with the purpose of seeking us and saving us. So the first thing that we learned this morning is grace came to this woman. Grace upon grace, abundant, infinite, marvelous. Grace of God that exceeds all our sin and guilt came to this woman. Let me remind you this. When God, through the work of Christ, saved you, when God, through Christ, came to your life, you remember the date, the time, how, how Jesus saved you, grace came to you. And grace upon grace, you receive it. You receive it grace that you have never deserved Grace that you have never earned, worked for, free grace, grace upon grace. So Jesus' grace is purposeful. It comes to us to save us from sin. Secondly, Jesus purposeful, purpo purposefully rational. Listen to verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now you need to know one thing here. Drawing water in Israel. Going to that well in Samaria draw, to draw water was the task of a woman. And women being in group they always come to this well early morning, not at noon. They come in group. They draw water and they go back home in group. No single woman come to the well at the noonday when it is very sunny, very hot. This woman came to the well Alone, she came by herself, and she came at noon. Do you know why? She was avoiding the public eye. She was immoral. She was an adulterer. She didn't want anyone to see her coming to the well at noon. She was avoiding the public eye. And isn't that amazing that our Lord Jesus Christ sent all his disciples, not some of them, all his disciples to the city in Samaria to buy food. Have you ever 
thought about that? What Jesus did? First, he sent them to the city. What? City of what? Samaria. You know, Gentiles. To buy food from the Gentiles. So he was telling them, no, no, no. We need to break this barrier. I want you to go to the city, buy food from them. They belong to the kingdom of God. They must hear the gospel. Go and minister to them. Go and have relationship with them. So he sent his disciples to do the mission work, mission of love, mission of gracious relationship. And then he was at the well by himself. And she was at the well by himself. Grace and sinner met at the well. It's amazing. Her and Jesus. Her and Jesus. Grace and a sinner. Grace and a sinner at the well. The first thing Jesus did was, he asked a favor. You'd expect Jesus to say to her, I'm here to condemn you, a sinner. You are an adulterer. You must repent. I'm here to condemn you. No, that's not what Jesus did. His approach was loving. He opened a conversation with this woman by asking a favor from her. That's grace. That's love. Give me a drink. Her response was, she said to him, how is it that you, that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. First of all, she was shocked. She was puzzled that a Jew from Israel, would ask her to give him a drink. And she said, that's impossible. She said, that's not acceptable here. We don't have a relationship. You are a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You are not, you're not one of our own. So how come you ask water from me? What you're asking right now is taboo for centuries. We never exchanged water. For centuries, we don't have relationship. We don't belong to one another. What are you doing? Why did the woman thought in that way? Why, why did she react in that way? Who are the Samaritans? Where do they come from? Samaria was this, the capital city of Assyria. And in 722 before Christ, the city was invaded by the Assyrians. When the Assyrians came to Samaria, they deported all the Israelites. And then they settled it this city, with foreigners, mainly Assyrians. And those who settled in Samaria intermarried with the Jewish people. And 
the survivors Jews intermarried with them and they embraced their ancient religion the Samaritans they only accepted the five books of Moses and after the exile when the Israelites came back to their homeland from Babylon they viewed the Samaritans as traitors they viewed them as half race have breeds. They hated them. When Nehemiah was trying to build up the temple in Jerusalem, the Samaritans offered help to Nehemiah. And the Israelites rejected their help. Because in the mind and in the view of the Israelites, these people are outcasts. They hated them. They betrayed the betrayed Israel and they don't have, they didn't have any relationship that's why you see the woman is telling Jesus this is taboo I cannot do this how come you ask me to give you water now notice Jesus response in verse 9 10 Jesus answered her if he knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Amazing. Jesus never spoke, never addressed their differences. You see what he did? He ignored them. He ignored them. He was telling this woman, I know, I know. The barrier. I know the racial, religious, and social barrier between you and the Jewish people. But those barriers, they don't belong to the kingdom of God. Let's ignore them and talk about what is most important. Let's ignore them. They don't belong to the kingdom of God. I came here to establish a relationship with you, to love you, to save you, and to bring you to God's kingdom, and through you to bring the Gentiles, the Samaritans, to the kingdom, so that Jews and Gentiles together would be in the kingdom of God, would be in the church of Jesus Christ. That's why I came. So let's ignore them. They don't belong to the kingdom. I came to destroy these barriers and bring you and other Samaritans into a salvation relationship with me. Ephesians 2, 14 and 16. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in, old, in ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to make all people, despite their race, 
There are racial differences. There are social differences. One in Christ. He came so that the Samaritans would say, the Jewish who are in Christ are my brothers and sisters in Christ. We are one family. We are in Christ. So Jesus told her, ignore those things and just think about who I am. And Jesus said to this woman, if you only knew who is talking to you, who is asking you to give him water, then you would ask him to give you water and he would give you a living water. That's what you need now. Let's talk about it now. If you only knew that I am the Son of God, I am the Messiah, and I have come to satisfy your thirst fully. John 3:17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus was telling this woman, I came not to condemn you. You already condemned it. You are a sinner. But the reason why I came to you today is not to condemn you. Yes, sinners, if they don't repent, they will be condemned. But the reason why I'm talking to you is not to condemn you, but to save you. And if you, if you, I, if you want me to save you, you need to know who I am. I have something, that, something better than what you have, this earthly water. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If you only knew this, who I am, why I came. So let's ignore the barriers. They don't belong to the kingdom of God. But let's talk about my gift to you. Then comes the issue of superiority. The woman said to Jesus, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? But she also said to him, She said to him, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And then, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? She claimed Jacob as greater than Jesus. And she asked Jesus, what are you saying? Are you greater than our father Jacob? I think Jacob is superior than anyone else. He was the one who gave us this water. And Jesus told her, if you only knew me, you would see that I am greater than Jacob. Yes, I'm greater than Jacob for these reasons. Because I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. I am the one in whom 
All things were made. I am the one in whom was life, in whom was light. I am the one who came from heaven, and I am above all. Yes, I am greater than Jacob, because I am God. I give not earthly uh, water, but heavenly water, a spring of living water, the gift of the Holy Spirit, who would dwell inside of you and create a fountain inside of you and satisfy you fully. Once I give you that water, you don't need to go to money, to sex, to drug, to pornography in order to satisfy your soul fully. I am greater than Jacob because I have something greater than Jacob. I am greater than Jacob, but my gift is greater than Jacob's gift. Jacob gave you an earthly water. I am about to give you eternal water. I am greater than Jacob. My gift is greater than Jacob. If you just drink the water that Jacob gave you, you will be thirsty again. If you drink the water that I'm going to give you, you will not be thirsty again. Not thirsty again. You see, beloved, what Jesus was given her? Of course, I am greater than Jacob. Because of who I am, my identity, but because of my gifts. In John 7, 37 to 39, this is what we read. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Come to me. If you are thirsty, come to me and drink the water that I'm going to give you. You will not be thirsty again. Water here represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's ability to refresh us, to quench our spiritual thirst. You remember Isaiah's invitation this morning. Come, come. Who, whom you are thirst. Come and drink water. Come and buy bread without money. And be satisfied. Come was his invitation. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour water on the thirsty, thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. That's God's promise for us, for sinners. I will pour water on the thirst, thirsty land. Beloved, you remember the admonition of God to the people of Israel. In Jeremiah 2, God through Jeremiah told them, you, my people, have committed, committed two evils. Number one, you've forsaken me. 
to forsake God is evil. So you forsake, forsake me. Number two, you make your own cisterns, fountain, broken fountain. Some of them, they went to sex as God. Some of them, they went to money as God. Some of them, they went to false gods to be satisfied fully. Broken cisterns. You forsake me, the living water. And then you build up your own cisterns. Broken cisterns that will not hold water. You replaced me with other things. And because you have done that, you are thirst. And you are trying to satisfy yourself with the fountain of this world. That's foolishness. You will never be satisfied. Money will never satisfy you fully. Sex will never satisfy you fully. Drug will not satisfy you fully. False gods will never satisfy you fully. But the Holy Spirit will dwell inside of you and turn into a fountain. And then you will never thirst again means you will long and crave for God, His Word, and His blessings every moment of your life. You will never have enough of God because of the fountain in you. You will never be thirst you'll never be thirsty. Thirst means you will never lack water. Because this water that Jesus gives will turn into a fountain, spring of living water. First Corinthians twelve thirteen. Paul talks about this water. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks or Gentiles, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. We drank one spirit from one spirit. That makes us one. That makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. That makes us family. So when it comes to our relationship with Christ, with one another, we don't use terms like so-and-so is not one of us. That doesn't belong in God's kingdom. But we call one another brother, sister in Christ because we have drunk from one fountain, one spirit makes us one in Christ Jesus. You see, that's what Jesus was teaching this woman. Number one, he was teaching this woman, you are not beyond of the reach of God's grace. And then secondly, Jesus is superior over all things that you need in this life. Because he gives the Holy Spirit as a living water and if you receive this gift, you will not be thirst again. No thirst. Let's pray. A gracious and heavenly Father, we rejoice in the gift of the Holy Spirit this morning. 
you call sinners to salvation, the first thing you do is you call them to a living water. For them to drink from it and be satisfied fully. Lord, thank you for this gift. Your son Jesus Christ indeed is superior. He's superior over all things, above all things. And help us this morning to embrace Jesus and his gift. Jesus, who is greater than Jacob, greater than Abraham, greater than Isaac, Moses and David and angels, Joshua. Greater than all the apostles. We come to Jesus this morning to drink from the fountain that you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.